Workforce Health Engagement Episode 19, Transitioning to Tobacco-Free Workplaces, featuring Laura Higginbotham from Owens Corning. Welcome to Workforce Health Engagement, a show exploring strategies to improve your employees' health and productivity and to protect your bottom line. Join us as industry experts discuss how to engage employees in population health management, wellness, and healthcare consumerism. This is a special series by the producers of the top-rated podcast, Engaging Leader. And now, with 20 years of experience as a communication consultant to Fortune 500 companies, helping engage hundreds of thousands of employees, here's your host, Jesse Leahy. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Tobacco-free workplaces have become the norm. But what if your company still has older facilities that have permitted smoking and tobacco products for years? You may face serious resistance from employees, unions, and even local management to transition the facility to a tobacco-free workplace. How do you effectively engage employees and leaders to support the change to tobacco-free? To share her experience and discuss best practices, our guest is Laura Higginbotham. She is health and productivity leader at Owens Corning, a Fortune 500 manufacturer with about 15,000 employees spread across 27 countries. Owens Corning is most famous for its pink fiberglass insulation and its mascot, the Pink Panther. Now, Owens Corning's world headquarters has been tobacco-free since the new campus opened back in the 1990s. Over the years since then, OC has also opened several new tobacco-free manufacturing plants. But as of the beginning of 2013, smoking and tobacco products were still a part of daily life at several older factories. My interview with Laura was recently recorded on-site at Owens Corning's World Headquarters in Toledo, Ohio. Laura Hickenbotham, welcome to Workforce Health Engagement. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Laura, tell us about the journey of helping plant leadership get to the point where they wanted to lead the transition to a tobacco-free campus. Sure. Over the past eight years, we've had a comprehensive wellness program in place. And each year, as we gather aggregate data and plant-specific data, we sit down with plant leaders at each location, and we review their overall scorecard. And one piece of that is tobacco. So year after year, we've been gauging how responsive they would be to moving towards a tobacco-free workplace. And this year, we have felt the um, ability to actually engage a few of our locations who have come forward and agreed to lead us down that path. So we've got three plants who are actually in the process of going tobacco-free at this time. Laura, in addition to those scorecards that are based on the actual health assessment and biometric data, you also have annual conversations with local plant leadership, and you actually do a worldwide survey of local plant and HR leadership. How have those conversations changed over the years? In the early years, when we would share the scorecard information, which is actually compiled from health assessment questionnaires, that's for the U.S. um, population, as well as a global survey that we have that uh, allows us to communicate and get responses from all locations throughout the world, 
when we first started having those discussions about tobacco and how do you think your employees would react or how would it feel if if you approached going tobacco free, there were reactions such as we would have to replace our entire maintenance group because they're all smokers and we would need to find replacements for them. A dramatic response to that in that sense um, all the way to where we are now is I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's time to start really looking at what we need to do to put that in place. So those are real concerns. I mean, especially picture you, let's say you're a a fairly new plant leader and you're trying to make your mark and prove your success. The first thing you want to do maybe isn't switch to tobacco free. You've got other bigger, what seem to be bigger fish to fry in the business world. Sure. We have three plants that are going tobacco-free this year, and we had one of our locations interested in moving forward as well, and then there was a plant leadership change at that location. Um, They decided to hold off until 2015 just because that is not the first thing he wanted to tackle walking in the door, and we understand that. Mm -hmm. We acknowledge that, um, but I don't think that it will take very long for them at that location to be able to move forward. Tell us about wellness committees. You've set those up at most locations now for the past several years. Yes. for Well, we've had our overall wellness program in place for eight years now, and we've relied a lot on HR representation as well as safety. We've really tried to encourage them to get their focus group at the location, a committee of people who might be smokers, who might not be physically fit, who are physically fit and can help others to get to that point. So we ask them to look at those people who influence the the rest of the employee population and pull them in to help them communicate because it's really a lot of work to get people to engage in getting their screening done, to do their health questionnaire, to engage with programs with our vendor and telephonic health coaching and whatnot. So we really encourage them to pull all sorts of different people into that mix to be able to help them communicate. And that's worked at several places, several people who have had dramatic changes in their life based on wellness initiatives lead those groups at some locations. Other people might be turned off by that. You don't want all your non-smokers who have never smoked to lead the campaign to go to a (laughs) tobacco-free population or Mm -hmm. plant. So um, some of our communication tools have included people who were past smokers and who will share their story in terms of how they became tobacco-free and what it means to them and and how it changed their life. So, of course, we utilize any opportunity to engage people to tell their story and use that as a testimonial. Those local wellness committees, they're not just like spokespeople for things that you are pushing down from corporate. They actually get involved in planning what the priorities will be for that particular plant, right? They do. We try to, from our overall perspective, push forward five focus areas. So that would be nutrition, physical activity, tobacco, know your numbers, and preventive care. So of those five things, we really try to engage our our locations, educate them, provide materials, and um, help them to figure out ways to communicate that to other employees. And so that group at the plant who takes on the responsibility to be the wellness team. They use our materials. They engage with people. They try to do community events. So if there's a a local walk or a run or they want to go hiking. So we have a location in Denver. 
they are very engaged and they will send us pictures of them on a hike. Um, they're, they're really engaged. There's about eight of them at that location that really lead the rest of the plant in this initiative. Hmm. Now, for these plants, in particular these three that are coming up to the effective dates of their transitions to tobacco-free workplaces, what was the overall strategy for introducing and communicating that change? What are some of the features of that strategy? Sure. Well, like I mentioned earlier, we had the scorecard, so we could gauge at each location what percentage of tobacco users they had. And we know our locations very well in terms of whether it's a union workforce, a non-union workforce. The three locations that are going tobacco-free are not our highest percentage of tobacco users, but one of the locations is a highly unionized location. They were asked by senior leadership if they would participate, and they came forward and said, absolutely, we would like to to go down that path. From there, we talked with each location year after year, asking them how it would feel, are you ready to take this on, could we help you to produce some communication pieces and a strategy, and each year we would feel the sense of whether they were going to move forward or not. And we really, at this point, are letting it up to each location to decide when they're going to move tobacco-free. But we really, this is not about the tobacco user or letting them feel as though they're the victim in this process. This is about being a healthier company and moving in the direction to allow our employees to go to work and not have the influences of tobacco, especially for those who used to use tobacco and and were successfully quit. They don't need to be in an environment where they are um, kind of pulled that direction again. So we want to make sure that what we're doing as a company around physical activity, tobacco, nutrition, things that we have control of, we would like to make sure that we're offering the healthiest options. Well, anybody struggling with either an addiction or just some lifestyle choice that they've decided to go in a different, healthier direction, being around certain triggers is extremely difficult to continue to stay on the healthy path. And workplace triggers for tobacco users is is a is is huge that social smoking is one of the things that makes or breaks your decision to be tobacco free exactly and in those conversations year over year when we started talking with the plants we made sure to say anything you can do to make it more difficult for people to use tobacco is where you need to start. So all the smoking huts we've had at our locations year over year, move them. Move them to a place that's not as pleasant. Don't cover them. Don't heat them. Don't cool them. So make it as difficult as you possibly can, and that will create some people to make a change in behavior. But change is hard. And the goal in us going tobacco-free is not to make sure that nobody uses tobacco on their own time. It's just that we do not want tobacco in our properties. So once the decision has been made, we're gonna this location is going to become tobacco free. Let's talk about some of the best practices in communicating that and in the key messages. One of the 
best practices that you used in this was to make sure that the message, the transition was positioned positively, that this is just the right thing to do. We're in this together. You were specifically trying to stay away from making it sound like we were trying to punish people for making unhealthy decisions. Exactly. And as we uh, we put together a basic strategy timeline, and then we talked through with each location. Each location has a different culture. Um, so for our larger union location, the plant leader asked us to pose it in a way where the tobacco user is not the victim. It's a positive move for the company, for this plant. So a lot of their communications are based on the facts. This is how we're going to roll out this tobacco-free property initiative. This is the timeline. We're not telling you as a person you can't use tobacco, but you will not be able to use tobacco on our properties. Here's what will happen. If you do, you will follow the same policy and procedures that we have in place for everything else that we do at this location. So we put together quite a few communication pieces, like an FAQ, like a PowerPoint presentation where they can roll it out initially to their employee population. Um, Our one union location rolled it out to their union leadership first, and the feedback was they found that the information provided to them was so positive and correct in terms of the use of tobacco and why we need to move away from it that they really couldn't argue the point. Hmm. And they were on board from day one. So, um, well, they agreed to support the effort. They weren't rah-rah. Right, right. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> like, say that they were rah-rah. But let's be realistic yes, here. Yes, <laughs> I mean, it's hard, it's hard for any person to try to tell another person what to do with right. their life and their personal habits. So um, we, are, we are respectful of that. Um, and again, we are providing a lot of tools. So within the communication packet, we put together a brochure that clearly outlines what options that individuals have to access tobacco cessation programs or medications, prescriptions, NRT, things such as that. We made sure to include the state-specific one. If they don't want to use a tool that our company is providing and they don't trust the tool that we're providing, we made sure to allow them to, to access one that's provided throughout the state. So in each of the states that we're doing this in, that brochure gives two to three options for people to utilize services. So because a person who would like to quit, maybe this is their thing they needed to actually get them to quit. Some of those people are glad to use company-provided resources, and others may for, let's, they want to just be darn sure about confidentiality. They, they want to be completely separate. Mm-hmm. And so state, state or local-provided resources is something that would, would appeal to them. Right, absolutely. Or anything through some, some of our, um, one of our locations has an HMO. So the HMO has a, has a different tobacco program than what we have through our wellness vendor or through the state. So we made sure to make to, to offer them different options to choose from because we know that culture and that is what they like. They want to know that they can choose on their own terms what services they're going to use. You mentioned facts a little earlier, and I, I think it would be good to clarify here that one of the best practices that you followed you were factual in terms of what the company policy was going to be, but the communication campaign didn't spend a whole lot of time trying to communicate facts about why tobacco is bad for you, why smoking kills, these are the dangers of secondhand smoking. Why is that? 
Right. I mean, we're knowledgeable of the fact that people don't want to be told. They don't want to be told that things are bad for them, specifically tobacco. They know that tobacco is bad for them. So that is not going to be the trigger for them to make a change. Um, We also know that 70% of smokers truly do want to quit using tobacco. So we came from that angle where we know that it's hard. We're not making you do it. We're not making you do it in your own time, in your own home. But here on company property, we feel this is the right thing to do. So we really focused our communications on why we're doing it for our company and for our employees and not make letting them become the victim and focusing on pictures of lungs that are black you know they've mm-hmm. seen that that mm-hmm. they see that in their in the commercials that they see on TV they've probably heard it from their spouse or their kids or whatnot that's not the approach we decided to take we wanted to take the approach that we're doing it because it's the right thing to do for our company and that statistic is pretty powerful so 70% of current smokers really would like to quit they may not want their employer to push them into quitting right. and they don't really need their employer to tell them why they should quit because they already know but they probably appreciate a supportive workplace nonetheless so the overall tone and choice about how we communicated and what we communicated was uh, trying to be helpful and supportive exactly so for each location we met with we presented the materials that we had prepared and asked them is there anything else that you think your employees would react to what else can we create for you and one of the locations said that their business president is someone that their employees trust and like and would like to hear from mm-hmm. so he agreed to do um, an interview and we have a testimonial for him congratulating his location for making this choice. So they were able to tell us that okay, so I don't like the look of this. This is not the look that our employees are going to react to. We want the Pink Panther. We want we want it to look a little bit different. So for each location, we present the material and we ask them, how do you think people will react? And we change it based on that. But overall, they've been very pleased with the packet we hand them. They're able to roll it out from a PowerPoint presentation for the initial rollout to posters that let people know what how many months are left before we go tobacco free. We have testimonials of their employees who have quit smoking or quit using tobacco so they can see their fellow coworkers and they can feel like they might be able to be successful. Yeah, you mentioned testimonials and the whole idea of narrative or storytelling is pretty powerful in this. So you did feature at every location, you, you, you identified some people who had quit successfully and invited them to share their story. Some of those happened live in the communication meetings with employees and some were in writing um, in various pieces, whether it was on a poster or a digital slide or something like that. Right. Well, and it's funny, the reaction. So at one of our locations, there was actually applause when the when the announcement was made to the employee population. I'm not saying the, the whole room applause <laughs> applauded, but there was some applause. Yes, this is helpful. This is good. I appreciate it. Um, another location told us that they had more reaction from changing the food in the vending machine to healthier options than they did about tobacco. Hmm. So it's just, it's, it's interesting of the reaction that we're getting by the employee population. One of our locations gave a year lead time into the tobacco. So they communicated this change is happening on such and such date. 
and that was a whole year in advance. Right. And uh, it is, in generally, any communication that could be perceived as negative or a takeaway, the longer you give people, uh, it's good to give people plenty of advance notice so they don't feel like you're surprising them with something. Correct. So one location gave a year, the other two decided to give six months. And I don't think the time actually is going to determine how successful you are because I think human nature is that they're going (laughs) to wait as long as they possibly can before they have to make a change. Mm -hmm. And that's some of the feedback we've gotten from the employees. For services that come on site and talk to people about tobacco cessation and the tools and, and resources that are available, some of the employees have indicated that they don't have to quit until May, so they're going to wait until May to get started. So, you know, we're trying to come up with other communication pieces and strategies around how to really encourage them, how to give them an idea of how long it truly takes and how many times it truly takes to be successful at quitting tobacco so that they're not waiting for the last minute. But again, those who wait to the last minute, we're going to have tools and resources for them as well. It seemed pretty smooth at the locations where we gave a six-month advance notice so we can, and it was also when they had a January 1 effective date so when we were communicating in mm-hmm. May or June or July for the, the change was going to happen January 1 that seemed like it was plenty of notice and January 1 is a very natural time for people to make lifestyle changes so, you know, it goes along with new year's resolutions yeah i think that well i know that we didn't get any negative feedback if they were only given 6 months versus the 12 months and i I think that it's even easier on the people who are managing the process and the rollout of this to um, to do it on a January 1st date aligned with a lot of the other programs that start and our campaign starts for the, the new year on January 1st. So it just all rolls together. Laura, we've been very careful in this conversation to talk about being tobacco-free, not just quitting smoking. And that was intentional. And one of the best practices is to make sure that the policy and the communication addresses not just smoking, but tobacco usage, and even the relatively newer technology of e-cigarettes and that whole related uh, alternative. Why did you have you gotten any pushback about e-cigarettes, and why did we include that in the in the um, policy? Right. Um, well, the e-cigarettes and one of the the vendors that we're utilizing at our locations to assist people in quitting tobacco. Um, We knew that that would be a question. We knew that people would want to be able to use the e-cigarette as a tool to quit using tobacco. And when we consulted them and and all the literature that we've read, e-cigarettes, our opinion is that it is a nicotine delivery tool. And we don't know what the long-term effects of that is, and it is a trigger. And we are including e-cigarettes in our policy is to we're not allowing that to be utilized on on our properties once they go tobacco-free. So, Laura, it's a controversial topic. It's it's fairly new technology. Don't know the long-term effects. With HR folks, tend to would love to just say it's not allowed, but. You don't really. We didn't want to get into an argument with employees about is it okay, is it not okay, what are the health aspects, and so essentially you just took a simple approach and said, look, it is a trigger and it's it's inconsistent with our objective to remove triggers for the people that are trying to quit, and it's just overall inconsistent with our uh, uh, desire to have a healthy workplace. Correct. 
correct. Yes, um, we just feel like it, there's not enough research, and, and we're not willing to take responsibility to replace one with the other. And it's not intent; those products are not intended, nor even marketed, to help people quit smoking. So it's not like it's a safer alternative. It's just a it's another basically addictive kind of habit that it's being marketed to people. Exactly. Exactly. Laura, where can people find out more about you and about your health and productivity work at Owens Corning? You can just find out more about me and, and what we do at Owens Corning through my LinkedIn profile, Laura Higginbotham, H-I-G-G-I-N-B-O-T-H-A-M. And we'll put a link to that on our show notes for this episode, too, to help people find that. Laura Higginbotham, health and productivity leader at Owens Corning. Thanks for joining us Thank on Workforce so Self-Engagement. Thank you. Great to be here with you. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. We'll put Laura's LinkedIn profile and a link to Owns Corning's corporate website on our show notes for this episode. You can find those show notes at engagingleader.com forward slash WHE19, as in Workforce Health Engagement, episode 19. And while you're on the show notes page, you can engage with us by providing your thoughts or questions in the comments section or by clicking the red send voicemail button. You can also engage with us at facebook.com forward slash engaging leader or on Twitter where I am at Jesse Leahy. Workforce Health Engagement is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm that specializes in workforce communications, helping midsize and large employers attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results in several areas, not only health engagement, but also talent management, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at AspendaleCommunications.com. If you enjoy this series, be sure to check out the leadership podcast, Engaging Leader, where my guests and I share ways to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. You can find both Workforce Health Engagement and Engaging Leader podcasts in iTunes, Stitcher, and on our website at EngagingLeader.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, Cecily Leahy, our web intern, James Marler, our sound engineer, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, over the long term, a program of the day won't help you boost employee health, productivity, and your bottom line. Nope. For sustainable success, you need an integrated approach to workforce health engagement. <laughs>